Hello and welcome to episode 112 of the 1099 for the week of October 2nd, 2017. I am your host, Josiah Renauden, and with me today is the host of Game Makers Toolkit, as well as a writer seen on Edge, Wired, Eurogamer, Video Gamer, Pocket Gamer, and a bunch more. Mark Brown, Mark, thanks so much for doing this. How are you doing today? I'm doing good. Thank you so much for having me. Absolutely. I And we were talking a little bit about this off air. You're someone who I've wanted to talk to for a while because anyone who listens to the show knows that I'm always talking about how I wish there was more deep dive coverage into games on YouTube. There's, there's a lot of, you know, here's me playing this game. Here's me yelling at a horror game. And I don't mean to, you know, boil <laughs> all YouTube down to, you know, just yelling at a camera, or yelling into a microphone. But it's refreshing to see other ways to talk about games. And before we do dig into you know, that video making process, your former writing or anything else. I mean, you talk a lot about design. You talk a lot about what make games tick, what makes good features good, what makes bad features bad. I, where would the idea for this really start? Like, did you have, was this this moment where you looked around the landscape and thought, man, there's not much of this out there. I need to do this. Or was it something you've always been passionate about and you had these video editing skills and it was kind of just, let's go for everything at once. Well, I, the one thing I sort of, the main thing I remember actually is, um, you know, they had those, uh, developers commentaries on like the Valve games and stuff. Mm, yes. So you'd play like Portal and you'd go, you know, you play the game and it's just like fun and well made and everything. And then you listen to this stuff and the, the people making this stuff are just geniuses. They are coming up with all these clever ideas to like subtly hint you in the right direction and, uh, teach you the puzzles and all this sort of stuff. And it's just like, wow, this is a, th- there's so much more two games than than we kind of often give them credit for you know we just talk about the graphics and is it fun and all this sort of stuff but there's a real sort of almost like a science to it to, to how people put these things together so that was kind of where i started getting interested in that side of games and it's been something i've loved reading about and uh, you know uh, playing games and trying to think about how they're put together and stuff so it's always been kind of my uh, the most fascinating thing for me when when I used to write about games, and um, yeah, so when I um, you know when video essays started coming out from like the movie world, and I was like, mm-hmm. oh, those those are cool. I'd like to do something like that for games. Um, it was yeah, it was thinking about what would be the right thing for me to do and to talk about, and I decided that the design thing would be would be cool uh the actual start of my channel was was pretty silly really it was that i um wanted to i was just one day idly thinking about uh zelda skyward sword and how there's this cool bit where you're in the shop and you move between the different shops and the music just sort of flows from one song to the other i'm like that's cool and i wanted to tweet about it but i couldn't find a good video on youtube for it and i'm like i've got a wii and i've got a capture card and i know just enough about how to use adobe premiere i could I could make that video and then it sort of, it started spiraling out of there. I started thinking about all sorts of different things, uh, other sort of interesting musical things in games and was just like, this could be a video essay. So just got really excited and started putting it together and threw it out there and, um, just really enjoyed the process. And I've now been doing them ever since. Yeah. And so much of the writing right now and even the video essays, very often it's a big picture. It's Mm. how is this game as a whole? And like you mentioned with Skyward Sword, I think it's interesting to look at certain sequences. You're you're worried more about like the specific moment and discussing why it's impactful, why it works, uh, why maybe like subtle things that people don't notice. But when you watch Mm. a video like that, it gives you 
a much greater appreciation for, you know, what that moment can do. And it's funny, I was, I was looking through your videos earlier today and I, I was thinking a lot about how you decide between being too broad and being too specific about certain moments because you have an entire video deconstructing Ori in the Blind Forest best moment, at least, you know, with kind mm. of universal, this is the thing about this game. When you consider how much work goes into each of your videos and you look at just a very specific moment like that, how do you balance in your head, like, is this worth the time and effort to talk about this indie game, this one spot in an indie game that I think is good and to explain why it's good? I mean, you're not a website where you're so worried about SEO or metrics or anything Mm. like that, and you are supported by patrons. So as long as, you know, they like your work, it's absolutely fine. It's not like suddenly your channel's going to go away if you only have 100,000 versus 300,000 views, but... Is there kind of this system in your head where, like, I think this game is important enough and this moment is interesting enough that even if people aren't massive Ori fans, they'll get something out of this? Yeah, I always try to think of, like, the almost like the universal lessons that we can take or, you know, the designers can take from any specific moment. So even in something like that Ori level, you can look at it and be like, oh, so it's like, you know, teaching these different ideas or it's testing this different thing or the way it's uh, set up, it's the the final escape and it's using music. It's something that um, these Ori, the designers there did something really amazing, but other people can learn from it. So there's hopefully in each video, uh, something to take away. But also, yeah, I mean, luckily with because I'm supported by Patreon and I don't have to worry too much about views, I can just sort of do whatever I find enjoyable, uh, which is, you know, very different to how it used to be when I used to, you know, write and every article had to be worth a certain amount of traffic and everything. It is liberating, but there's always there's always an audience out there for pretty much every uh, game for there to be like a video about it. So, mm. um, yeah, I do. I do sort of have a balance in my head of making sure that I'm not just talking about too much niche stuff or getting too specific. I always try to balance, you know, maybe um, a few videos about very specific parts and then a video about something much more uh, universal and, and generic, a sort of general design concept. So I definitely do think about balance because I don't want anyone to just be like, oh, this is just a channel that just goes way too nerdy about nintendo games which i i do a lot but (laughs) yeah i do try to create a bit of a balance even if it is liberating making videos that specific and maybe not that seo focused has it also been a little bit jarring making that switch because if you're pitching as a freelancer to edge Mm. or wired you're not going to be like here's this very specific section of the binding of isaac that i think is special like that might work on some sites but very often they're going to look at that and be like what's you know, what's the value proposition? What's that, the ROI that I'm thinking about? <laughs> Has it been hard to kind of break that mindset to go into just like, I can do what I care about? And in turn, it's likely what your audience cares about because they're supporting you. They like you. So what you care about, they likely care about. Yeah. I mean, it's, I, I do think about like my patrons because they're, you know, supporting me each month to make stuff. And if I just go completely off the deep end, going exploring something that only I care about, then they're not going to be too happy with me. So I've always got them in the back of my mind, just being like, do something good and worthwhile that everyone wants to watch. Um, but also I've been thinking more recently about like, what is the point of my channel? Um, existing, especially now that I'm sort of, you know, I'm doing this full time, I'm getting paid for it. It's like, how can I make the most of this opportunity I've been given? Mm-hmm. And so the, the main things I want to do with my show is to have for 
for developers who are watching, especially like indie developers or student developers or people new to it, is for them to be able to learn stuff. And for just people who enjoy playing games is to see games in a new light. So I definitely want the videos to be as as helpful and as useful as possible. And so, like, I just did a video, which is the complete opposite of this, really, about, like, uh, Metroid remakes. And it's very specific and very niche and mostly just me uh, nerding out. Um, so that's, like, the opposite of what I should be doing. But that was just, like, a one-off. Um, but, yeah, so I, I do try and uh, make my videos as, as, as useful as possible, if that uh, doesn't sound too conceited. No, it doesn't at all. And I think th- there's an educational quality to what you do. I would assume, have you struggled at all trying to balance, all right, I'm making this educational, but I also want this to be entertaining? Because even the term video essay, like mm. we know that stuff interests us, but a lot of people are like, Ugh, like an essay? Like why would I want to get involved in that in any way on my free time? I mean, you're pointing out certain design decisions in video games which are inherently more often than not entertaining so there should be built in fun factor if you will with that kind of stuff but did it take time to find you know a tone and a direction that really worked like i I think of um the newer assassin's creed where there's that tourist mode coming out which Mm. i think is fascinating i remember being a kid um and not to go too far of a tangent here, I, uh, my dad, when I was younger, would always talk about how someday games would find a way to balance, you know, education and fun. When I was, uh, homeschooled growing up, we would play Ocarina of Time. And before I learned how to read, we would try to read all the dialogue in the initial village. So like it was this application of this is something you enjoy. You'll mm. be able to learn reading faster. And I think Assassin's Creed is doing a smart way of doing that as well, where here's this, vast amazing world you're going to be learning but you're going to enjoy it so did it take you a while to understand how to do something educational and useful for developers while also you know getting views and being entertaining yeah it did in a way i think the main advantage i have is that if you just like picked up and read a book about game design it would be very academic and very um just sort of explaining it in a sort of abstract way, whereas mine is always grounded in games that exist and that a lot of people have played. So you're not just sort of uh, learning about uh, unit differentiation or whatever, but you're learning about it in the context of Doom, which is just a game that people enjoy playing, and you'd be like, I've played Doom, and it you know gives you a greater appreciation for Doom, but you're secretly learning about a, a sort of wider game design thing. So each video is kind of doing double duty of just being fascinating to people who have played a game and want to know more about it, but is also sort of secretly uh, teaching people about stuff at the same time. Yeah, and I would assume you have a pretty significant audience of indie developers or maybe even aspiring developers who want to understand, again, why certain aspects of games are good, why certain features, why certain abilities just work. But uh, I talking to developers very often in this podcast working for a development team i think there's this fundamental misunderstanding by the general maybe even lack of understanding uh of, from the general kind of gaming community about how games are made you you think back to like all these different um kickstarter campaigns where people are mm. freaking out by the cost of them and you don't exactly go into that with your videos but do you think that the level of toxicity among the gaming community could stem from that kind of lack of understanding about how games are made and what makes certain games good and certain features special because i'm not trying to put the weight of the world on your shoulders <laughs> but can videos like yours that do spotlight spotlight uh smart design and maybe even show a bit like how tough it is to make good games give players a greater appreciation 
for that craft give players a greater appreciation not immediately say like oh this game this game sucks this game is lazy when you point out stuff that obviously takes a lot of work and a lot of thought Mm, well i I hope so i think there's more of that stuff is starting to come out um i just saw like uh jason schreier or shria at kotaku did his book uh with all these sort of developer interviews and he was saying that he's had a number of people saying oh this is I'll never say lazy devs ever again after exactly. reading all these stories and stuff. So, um, I think in general, it's something that, um, that, that the journalists and, and people, critics are, are pushing towards is, is trying to help people understand because, yeah, a lot of this toxicity does come from just a misunderstanding of like, um, I, I feel like if, whenever you hear people say things like lazy devs or, Oh, this is, uh, I can't believe how much this is costing or how much this time this is taking. That person has probably never made anything or done anything yes. because anyone who's done something, you know, making a, a podcast or videos or whatever, you just know the, the time it takes and the like emotional toll it can take on people and the stress and everything and just coordination. Everything is just so difficult. So yeah, I think trying to, that, it's a good point trying to uh, explain to people the 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 actual hardships of making games could help in one one small aspect of uh, uh of getting rid of some toxicity on in in the gaming culture there's just a whole lot more to to deal with as well <laughs> yeah there really is and it's not even just they haven't made something it's they often haven't made something in a team or mm. something that's being funded by a publisher who might have different ideas about what makes a game successful or what makes a game good i mean it, it's that constant tug of war of you know, like this person on the team wants to do this, this person wants to do that. And so often teams come together and work something out. But when there's an, you know, an Activision or mm. EA or, or Ubisoft saying like, hold on, suddenly this battle royale thing's pretty rad. What <laughs> if we try to, you know, shoehorn that into this game? Or why don't we go in this direction and use like, I mean, I, I don't, this is not, this, this part doesn't come from experience. I've never worked for a massive publisher, but if maybe they, the developer wants to, you know, push for a female lead and the publisher says that doesn't work with our metrics. Like there's, yeah. there's things that happen along the way that to just say lazy developers or they don't know what they're doing or they don't understand what the audience demand is. I hate always just being the person who's sitting here defending developers because some design, design decisions are just bad, but so mm. many are just, yeah, out of people's hands. Yeah, I mean, the, one of the ones that I think people uh, often kind of d- misunderstand is that designers will put in um, mechanics that might seem kind of frustrating. Like an example might be the um, the breaking weapons in Zelda Breath of the Wild. They're just like, oh, my sword's always breaking. But there's just like lots of thought has obviously gone into that of why they've done it of how they don't want to have you just finding a really overpowered weapon at the start of the game and it works forever or you know they want to create these interesting moments so there's lots of mechanics that become kind of controversial and and hated like the turn limits in XCOM 2 and stuff like that that there's this you know wealth of of thought and and painful decision making and play testing has gone into this stuff and They've almost certainly tried the, the thing that you just, you know, someone just tweeted and be like, they should have just done it like this. <laughs> the developer has almost certainly tried that and it, there was a different problem with that. And yeah, so hopefully there's, uh, people are getting a bit smarter about how this stuff is, is being made. Yeah, it, it is like people don't realize that this stuff is extensively play tested. And yeah. like, yes, we have tried that before. Like, <laughs> yes, we have gone down that route. This makes more sense. Or maybe even time constraints, we had to go this route. You think about Dead Rising with mm. the time limit kind of stuff and how that was easy. You know, it was way eased up later, but a lot of people loved it. A lot of people hated it. There's a lot of those mechanics that, yeah, I, I think everyone on Reddit 
needs to, and Neo Gaff needs to chill out for just a <laughs> second and realize, like, there's, I promise you there was thought put into this. This wasn't just a random decision. Um, and speaking of non-random decisions, uh, do you have this massive list of kind of fully formed ideas that you have either written somewhere or just in your head for what videos you want to do next? Like, do you have this idea of like, okay, here's, everything i want to do you know based on all these other old games i've played and very often does that cue get mixed up because suddenly you play i don't know the like the latest zelda and you're like oh my god i need to talk about this right now yeah it's the i've got a list of about 100 things that i'd like to make videos for uh but then yeah I'm, i'll play something else and it will uh spark an idea it's it's often like things i'm curious about because i don't really know much about any of this stuff to be honest at the start of the process it's just like ai in games that's an interesting thing that's a huge part of it i'm very curious about how it works and stuff so then it's just uh dive into the research for it so read as much as i can watch gdc talks listen to interviews talk to indie developers play loads of games and just you know try and understand it the best i possibly can and then uh, make a video for it. My, my sort of philosophy is that I try to do as much research where I could make a four hour video on the subject, but then I make like a 20 minute video with the same amount of information to crush it down and, and get it as like all killer, no filler and hopefully explain it in the best way possible. But yeah, lots, lots of ideas, just not enough time. <laughs> and I, I want to dig into that research more because that's mm -hmm. one of the most fascinating things for me because, again, this is not going to be the blow smoke up your ass podcast, but there's going to be sections of that and I can't stop myself. But <laughs> you you have to do a crazy amount of research to talk about games at this level, especially when you're kind of going in not blind, but you're going in with maybe a, I wonder why this works or mm -hmm. I wonder why this is the way it is. And then you research and you find the answer and you have to educate people based off your findings during this period. I mean, sure, you can make observations and assume, but there's a, there's a level of confidence in the way you talk about games that can only come from a lot of research and then an understanding of how games are made. So you talked a little bit about what goes into it, but I mean, how often do you talk to game developers about your ideas? I mean, are you bouncing ideas around with developers and then going from there? Are you doing a lot of research into interviews that have been done with developers on websites or podcasts or stuff like that? I mean, it's even if you're going in with this question, sometimes mm. that information is just not out there. So how do you find it? Uh, I'm very good at Googling. I <laughs> because I've had like a, a background in games journalism, I've just had a, you know, a, a real good ability to, to, to Google my way out of any problem. Um, I do chat to some indie, de indie developers every now and again, if I've got a specific question. Um, but and it's something I, I would like to do more is to just talk to these people who have made these games because uh they they will have the answers but a lot of that stuff is out there it's just um yeah hidden in in interviews on different podcasts uh gdc talks are amazing but oh, they're yeah. like they're like an hour long and they're kind of a bit stuffy and a bit boring and so um it, it's the stuff's there it's just not in the best possible way and there are books i um i read and use lots of different game design books and so I feel like my real strength is that is not that not knowing this stuff, but being able to uh, take all of this stuff. You know, like I remember when I did a, a a video about Jonathan Blow's design process, I tallied it up and I realized I watched about ten hours of just footage of Jonathan Blow talking about games from various oh, talks and stuff he did. And so. If you want to make a puzzle game, you can go watch 10 hours or I can try and squeeze it down into just like 15 minutes 
of just the best the best bits of it so that's kind of and it's it's similar to what i used to do as a games journalist which was uh trying to convey information or not just games journalists i did other stuff writing for wired and stuff writing about robotics and science and whatnot um is you know trying to convey these ideas that um maybe these designers wouldn't even be able to explain i got one of my favorite tweets i ever read was from warren specter who was tweeting about my video on immersive sims and said this guy has explained my job better than i ever could which is just a really nice compliment because <laughs> that's, that's one of kind those of, i would print and hang on my fridge i think yeah yeah it's just that's really what i try to do is can i take this information and put it in the nicest possible most clear and concise form and i spend a lot of time writing scripts which is something that um feels like it should be kind of an easy part of the process you've got your information you say, ah, type, type 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 but it's just like a lot of um reordering it and rewording it and trying to just make it as clear and concise but also entertaining and interesting and yeah it's a it's a lot of work but it, i feel like that stuff is the most important because even if you even if you've got like a crappy script um there's not much you can do even if you've got you know all the lovely motion graphics and great gameplay footage if it doesn't make sense if it's confusing if the, the viewer gets lost then uh then it's it's pointless so that's where i spend a lot of time and i'm very pleased like there's all these numbers with youtube you know number of viewers number of subscribers everything like that the the number that i always uh focus on is audience retention you can go into oh, yeah. youtube it's, it's, in, it's they have some incredible stats you can see how many people stuck to the end of your video you can see like the exact second where people went oh, i i'm I'm done with this video i've left the page and so always trying to keep that as high as possible i want people to come with me on this journey of information and uh not just get bored and leave yeah and i would assume that script writing we talked about before especially when your goal is to almost have two hours worth of you know information mm. but boiled down to 20 minutes or 15 minutes that's why that script writing has to be just massively difficult because you're boiling this down you're thinking about entertainment you're thinking about i can't make this video 30 minutes or 40 minutes well you could but mm. if, speaking of audience retention it's, it's harder to have someone sit around for a 40 to 50 minute educational video like that mm. uh, and you mentioned before there are some developers who might reach out who say like oh you explain this better than i could explain it myself even though i did it but that there are a lot of developers who, like Jonathan Blow is a good example of someone who may be a little long-winded at times, but if you want to really get a good picture at how he looks at his games and how he looks at puzzle games, if you listen to him talk, it can can really be incredible. So have you mm. ever considered adding an interview component to your show where you're talking to game developers at length about their games, about maybe even other developers' games. I've brought this up before. When I had um, Mike Laidlaw from the Dragon Age team on here, he he streams and he talks about, you know, mm. I'm playing other people's games for the first time and trying to get described to the audience why I think they made this decision or why certain design elements work here. Have you kind of considered doing something similar on your channel or is that entirely different from what you want to do? It's something I've interested in, possibly maybe as a podcast even, not to steal... Uh, your audience now. Uh, yeah, it is something I'd like to do. It's just right now, it's, I mean, everything's ridiculously time consuming making videos. This is, this is the other uh, major difference from writing articles because it's basically you've written the article, which takes, you know, as long as it does normally, but you're only halfway there. You've also got to go and get all the footage and record it and all this sort of stuff. So it's just very time consuming at the moment, but it is something, yeah, definitely I'd like to, um, incorporate more into it and, uh, reaching out to developers as I'm making the videos and just being like, am I just like talking complete rubbish when I say this? <laughs> uh, you know, 
help me out here. So yeah, it's something I'd like to do. Um, I just, I don't know. Yeah. Time is, is the, is the main thing. Yeah. Time's probably the issue. And uh, don't worry. I'm not an overly competitive podcast person. I'm one of those, <laughs> like if there's other good podcasts similar to what I'm doing out there, like that's awesome. Like <laughs> I'm super into hearing more developers talk about games. Like it's just so fascinating to hear, Again, like Dragon Age creator talking about Firewatch is like, I didn't know mm. I needed this in my life, but this is exactly <laughs> what I needed in my life. You, you talk a little bit before about contacting developers and being like, is what I'm talking about completely insane or not on, you know, the, the right track? Uh, have you had to throw away a lot of work for certain videos once you, you start asking a question and realize you're going in the wrong direction? Because all, the, like you mentioned, these are, these are questions you have. You're not going in saying, I'm an expert. Watch me just completely wow you with information you have a question you're researching it and then you're sharing that information so Mm. have you had maybe a theory about why certain ai patterns seem smart or why a jump in a game works do all this research in a certain direction and then only realize through that research that your initial reasoning your initial theory was flawed to begin with uh, I don't think so because I mostly just keep a very open mind at the beginning. Like I go in with complete ignorance on everything really in life, uh, but specifically this, <laughs> where it's just like I don't know. But I, I it's because it's like I like this game, um, you know, I enjoy it, and I want to talk about why, and uh, I'm gonna find out. So I generally don't uh, start with a theory like that. It's more just like let's find out or it's it will more so in like the the sort of more general topics of like yes. health mechanics or whatever and just be like i don't know let me let's go find out <laughs> but obviously i do have some some experiences from playing games of like yeah this is this is probably what i want to talk about i mean with ai it was just something where i actually had no idea how ai works i did a lot of research into the sort of technical side of it, which I didn't really feel like was super relevant to my stuff. But now I'm basically an expert in AI. I could code it. That's not true. But, um, (laughs) I have like all this stuff about like goal oriented action planning and, uh, behavior trees, all this stuff is, uh, useless knowledge to me now, to be honest. But, um, yeah, I, it's just, I just find it fascinating to, to discover this stuff. And I hope that other people do as well, to be honest, but they seem to have. Yeah, I was about to say, I, I think the numbers and, and the support have shown that there's an interest in this. Even if you do go in with an open mind, hmm. have you had, or maybe even what's the, the video or the concept that you went in thinking a certain way, and by the end of the video, the end of the research, you were like, I, you mentioned AI, we are like, I had no idea about it, but was there a certain idea you had at the start that was completely transformed by the end of your research? Maybe just like a, I never thought this was like this, but now by the end of this, you know, I think about maybe not just games differently but certain concepts entirely differently uh, i'll have to i'd have to cons- consult my stuff uh, <laughs> my, my my big list of videos um i don't think so i don't know if that's it's yeah, not I, quite I, the I, way i think i, think, I feel like yeah. going with an open mind really does make that difficult where you're going in thinking you know i'm ready yeah. to learn anything yeah yeah i want to i i go in my head is a sponge give me stuff but you know it's um the, some of the most fun uh type of research is the sort of going in there with like a um maybe like a making my own map of stuff is good for like doing the zelda dungeons oh, yeah. or making like a list of uh, various lists and charts and stuff has been very helpful it's been uh, like a really interesting way of doing things like um i was doing a video about the last guardian and about how 
the the relationship between the two characters in the game and then kind of putting together a chart of how the relationship between two characters work in different games in like the last of us and resident evil 4 and stuff and seeing how oh wow like the last guardian is the polar opposite of eco and they're different to other games and you can just see very clearly uh how the different games work and things like that so i do a lot of notes and lots of graphs and stuff like that as well uh, and you mentioned a little bit before about people tweeting about your videos who are game creators but i mean how often have developers reached out to you after a video gets posted to talk about the video to share the video to talk about design in general i mean especially when you're covering smaller games like mm. downwell or her story i'd assume these developers who they did get some attention after a critical response and some of that stuff is word of mouth and it gets out there but i'd assume those developers see that video and just really want to i don't know if it's like a thank you for spotlighting as much but want to talk about these different design decisions because they can tell you have this reverence for it yeah it's i, I mean the response from the developers has been pretty incredible from from indie games to the much bigger stuff. And I've had people, I almost don't want to say too much about it because they've said like, yeah, we know that, the, you know, for the, the videos where maybe I've sort of criticized the game, they've been like, yeah, we, we knew that really. Uh, we wanted to do differently and there were challenges behind the scenes and stuff like that from some of the bigger games. It's really amazing stuff. Um, so yeah, it's been just crazy to hear from so many different developers and different sizes uh, but also nice to hear from people who are just starting making games and of saying like oh this is super useful and i feel fine and not super uh, conceited saying this because it's not my lessons or anything it's like i'm telling you how a mario game works and so really they're thanking nintendo I'm just yeah. the I'm just the conduit. I'm just the the middleman ex- explaining it to them. Um, but you know, all of this design theory and stuff is already is kind of out there or is uh, in the games themselves. So it's it's more of like yeah, me me pushing it out there. But yeah, it has just been um, so many of the videos have had the developers have uh, got in contact with me and Twitter DMs and stuff. This is like one of the strangest things about. Um, getting a, a, a bit sort of more well-known in uh, the games industry and stuff is whenever I tweet about some strange niche, mis- uh, not remembered like Xbox game from 2003, I'll get like a DM from someone like, oh, I worked on that. And, <laughs> and just like, I coded the AI on that weird enemy or whatever. And it's just Oh, that's incredible. Crazy. Yeah, that's super bizarre. But I mean, now like all those people are usually when you get in the games industry you stay so those people are actively on twitter working in other games but that has Mm. to be super bizarre for them to be like oh shit in 2003 like that was (laughs) that video that's all that very specific thing that was me doing all of that that has to be super strange and if you can't talk about this it's absolutely fine but have any of these developers who have reached out to you ever been like you should work on our team or you should get into game design or maybe even to take that step further after doing all these videos and looking at games in this way have you ever had a moment of like oh man, I really just want to go make a video game after I've learned all this stuff? I'm curious about the process. I'd like to try it one day. I'm not sure in what um, way I'd do it. You know, if I'd do like the like an indie game um, with myself or a small team or go get a job at like a bigger company or something. Uh, the I have done a tiny bit of design consultancy for like um, companies like Microsoft and stuff, which was weird i didn't really enjoy it to be honest it was a bit yeah. of a strange thing um to see a game very early on and 
uh, try and explain it to them and or, or tr- you know talk to them about it. It just it, it was a very strange experience. How early um, in the process did they bring you on? It was it was like the game was it, it it's kind of sort of I don't know, I don't know to be honest, but it was like um, there's the game there, but it's it, it's playable, but not enough to really um know what the full scope of it would be yeah, okay so it's hard to sort of know exactly where the the game is kind of going and you you kind of it's hard to make suggestions or or talk about stuff because you don't know exactly what the the, the final scope of it was so it's nice to be able to just take the game as it's done which is what i do in my videos you know <laughs> the, the game is done now i can tell you why it sucks or whatever or why it's great um <laughs> but yeah it was a bit of a strange experience so it's it's something that i would I would like to do, but right now I'm, I'm very happy where I am and I feel like I'm, uh, sort of getting my stuff out to the widest number of people right now because it's on YouTube and it's free and anyone can watch it. And it's been incredible to have, um, people, uh, translate my videos into all sorts of different languages. And I've had people saying, Oh, there aren't any game design schools in, you know, this part of South America or something. And videos like yours have been really helpful. And that's something that I really like is that um, my stuff can be uh, useful to so many people. Whereas if I was working on a specific game, it feels like it's just like uh, one, my help is going to one people. I really don't like saying my help. It seems very No, strange. but I know what <laughs> you mean. Yeah, like, yeah. I would assume it's some of the most rewarding stuff are those messages from people saying like, you know, like, like you mentioned, like this certain area doesn't have these design schools. This really helped me in a certain way. And because um, tools are so widely available now, you yeah. can watch multiple. Like, I mean, it, again, you could watch a chunk of your videos, then suddenly, maybe not immediately download Unity or like get you know Unreal or anything like that and make a video game. But you at least have these designs and you like these ideas in your head that can help influence you in certain ways. And going back to consultancy, it is strange uh, to bring you on that early is probably. If I was thinking of how you would be used at a studio, maybe makes the most sense because so much of what you talk about are these core fundamental ideas that mm. are very likely baked in early to a game. Like I, I do think maybe in terms of enjoyment, it's easier to come in as a consultant later and be like, oh, this doesn't work. This works. <laughs> or like I, I did mock reviews for a very short stint mm. and you know, you go a few months before the game comes out and you can kind of help give like, ah, tweak this, think about this. Here's what I think the Metacritic is going to be. And then you're out. Um, I, I think probably. It's harder though to do that than be like, you need to change all this stuff. But so much of that stuff is so fundamental to the game already. Mm. All these design decisions are already like, you can't just suddenly change it. But yeah, consultancy is bizarre. Like the, the state of that right now, there's a lot of people I know who were in the games industry for, you know, 10, 20, 30 years and are now doing that. And I don't think anyone has like the greatest, there's no perfect solution right now, but it's interesting to at least talk to people like that. Uh, we, we talked a little bit earlier about how you don't do Let's Plays and Top Tens lists. Like, you're not the average YouTube channel, and I mm. don't think there's much like you out there. But uh, are there other channels that do something similar to yours that you're a fan of or maybe you got inspiration for at all? Do you think there's a lot of room to talk about games more intelligently on YouTube if there aren't other channels like yours? There's quite a few channels. Quite a few have cropped up um, in the last few years um, people doing different types of things. There's uh, quite a growing number of channels doing like long form analysis of videos, like a two hour, uh, sort of deconstruction of a of Dark Souls or whatever. There's quite a few people doing that. 
Um, and then you've got people like Danny O'Dwyer doing his amazing interview stuff. Mm. And there's also um, a growing number of people doing very specific things. So one of the channels I really like is called Game Score Fanfare, and it's just about music. So every video is about a different uh, musical thing in the games and looking at kind of like I do for design, but for music. So there's there's a bunch of things out there, and you've got uh, some people starting to do more sort of journalisty things. So there's this channel called Super Bunny Hop, and he, uh, oh yeah, I think you might have had him on your show. I'm not sure. Uh, it might have been on Final Games. We've we've talked back and forth. Hopefully in the okay. future. Awesome. Yes. Uh, so yeah, he does. He's starting to do more sort of journalistic stuff. So there, yeah, it's it's growing. It's getting better. Um, and there's yeah, loads more room for people to do stuff uh, on YouTube. Um, to uh, yeah, to try and balance out the the shouting at horror games or whatever <laughs> which is you... which is great if people like it just yeah not totally I, yeah. It's, it's 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 there and if people like it people like it do you get competitive with channels like that at all we were joking about you know you getting in the same podcast space that i'm in do you look at those channels and say like god damn it now i need to step up my game or do you think actually having more of that maybe just ups the profile of videos like yours it's yeah i mean it's definitely uh people doing amazing stuff is both aggravating and inspiring so that's always uh, a, a tricky balance to go is, am I angry at them because they've done an idea that I wish I could have done? Or am I just incredibly amazed and it's pushing me to do better stuff? Um, so yeah, there's um, good stuff out there. Um, I forgot to say, talk about the channels that inspired me. There weren't, I, I didn't really know that there were gaming channels before I got into this. But no. when I did, I was like, oh, there's actually people like Errant Signal has been doing his stuff mm. for years before I even started. I just didn't know he existed. Uh, um, but um, uh, the main ones were like movie um, uh, like video essays like Every Frame of Painting is the one everyone's seen his stuff amazing and I really liked how he was looking into uh, like the craft of filmmaking and how you know most of the, the, the sort of obvious way to go for a film channel would be to talk about the sort of stories of the films or reviewing the films but then he was talking about editing and acting and things like that and it was just like ah oh, I could do that for games. Yeah. And so, yeah. I think the best channels and the best videos are the ones that make you jealous, but in like <laughs> a positive way where you just want to like, there's so many reviews when I was still reviewing stuff for like IGN and GameSpot and different sites like that, where I would read something and be like, God damn it. Why didn't I think of that angle? Or like, God mm. damn it. How did I not like go in that certain direction? I would assume you've had a couple of those videos you mentioned with like maybe either ideas you had or ideas you wish you had. We are like, mm. Oh, that's so good. Like, that's something I wish I would have thought of first. And yeah, I think that stuff um, in the moment is frustrating, but in the long term is exceptionally beneficial for making whatever your next thing is way better. Uh, and when you were first, when you first got into this, you mentioned you didn't really know there were a lot of games channels like this. So did you have an idea in your head for what a channel like yours could do subscriber and number wise? And I mean, has the response even surprised you? I think people, you know, you go in, hoping for the best, expecting maybe, you know, average numbers, but then you've, you've, you've gone a long way. Your Patreon's very successful. Your channel's very successful. Is it kind of amazing just taking a step back and looking at how people have responded to your channel? Yeah. I didn't know what was possible on YouTube, especially something a bit more niche. Like I, I knew I was never going to be like a PewDiePie level thing. Um, I hoped that there was going to be a, an audience for something a bit more in depth, uh, something a bit more analytical. But uh, yeah, I just didn't really know what the deal was with YouTube because it was 
well, it's, it's funny to say YouTube was like a burgeoning thing at the time because, you know, it's many years in the making and everyone uses YouTube, but it just, uh, as a sort of gaming, uh, a place for finding gaming content. Yeah. It was, it, it has been a pretty incredible ride, uh, to go from it being just a hobby to do at the weekend to now being my full-time job. Thanks to Patreon and stuff. It's yeah, it's something else really. Do you ever look at something uh, not that i'm saying you should go sell out but if you were to sell out uh would there ever be like do you ever like think about i can go do twitch and be very successful with streaming because of this that's my youtube and you talk about that podcast where if you wanted to expand in all these different you know revenue streams to get businessy for a mm. second is that stuff you can i mean i'm guessing a lot of this takes up the majority of your time already with your youtube channel but could you start a twitch channel and kind of have a condensed maybe a little bit more basic version of what you do play a game talk about it as you know analytically while you're going along or do you think it's better for you to do the research beforehand i've so i've started doing a little bit of streaming on youtube okay but it's it i like actually doing it as a more casual thing to instead of trying to be like my channel to um sort of let people see a different side to me that it's not just like super stuffy academic uh analysis stuff but just you know chilling out hanging out playing a game and stuff so it's a bit of a different thing and it's nice to be able to interact with the viewers in a in a different way than the the stuff i normally do so that's uh always been kind of fun um it's something i want to do more of and it's also nice to be able to talk about brand new games that have just come out so like streaming like heat signature and steam world dig 2 where normally with my videos i like to let games have a bit of time um to sort of germinate in the yeah. culture and, you know, shake out and see what people really think of it after a while and not just jump on everything because it's the hot new trend. Because also that's the other thing that you used to do in, in games journalism. Pretty much everything I do is just in, in opposition of things I used to do. Um, so it, it's nice to be able to, you know, not just have to be constantly jumping on the latest thing and competing with everybody else. Everybody, everybody's talking about, you know, Sonic Mania or whatever. And it's like, I'll talk about that in like two years time. Uh, I've got, I've got to do a video on, you know, Mario Golf on the GameCube or whatever. Uh, probably not that, but something like that. <laughs> I would so, watch yeah. that video. I, that, I actually really like that Mario Golf on the GameCube. So, yeah, you know, it's good, yeah. if you want that idea out there, I'm into <laughs> it. It is funny how much I feel like letting games breathe a bit, letting the, the mm. initial reception fade and then looking at them later. Um, maybe I'm wrong, but I feel like more and more opinions are on games are changing within a few months or a year you look at final fantasy 15 and when that came out i feel like the general opinion was like oh final fantasy's back and like the the earlier reviews were positive mm. i think it was hovering if we want to focus on metacritic which i usually don't love doing but it was like high 80s low 90s and then since then the opinions absolutely gone like much more sour than that people who actually finished the game were like you know maybe this wasn't as hot as i first thought and you know it's kind of the opposite with other games, Metal Gear Solid Five was polarizing and mostly positive, and now people are walking away, and I feel like the, the, the memories aren't as fond as they used to be. I mean, have you noticed that you look at Polygon, they always talked about it, we're going to do kind of like updated reviews later on based on, you know, second opinions or even based on DLC and updates and stuff like that. Do you think that we're changing the media's opinion and maybe even the public's opinion about certain games over time more, or is it just... Is it, do we see more of that because there are more sites just talking about games months and years after release? Well, I mean, so there's always been a bit of like hype culture with games and games reviews. You know, certain games will come out and it will be like guaranteed 
to get a certain score or above because it's made by a certain developer or it's got a certain name. Like I remember like Bioshock Infinite came out and it's just like, you can't say anything negative about this game. Oh, because that it's might the be new the best Bi- example. Yeah, it's the new Bioshock game. So it's amazing. And then o- over time, the sort of more general consensus comes out. But, but there's also like uh, just more people talking about games like Twitter is like a, a huge thing where there's, uh, you know, more people having that conversation about games as they go along. Um, but there's also... I feel like with some of these uh, videos, um, especially when it's coming from a certain sort of personality, um, uh, certain like ideas about a game will kind of take hold. Like I remember with like, there's this guy called Matthew Matosis who does his videos and he was very critical of uh, Dark Souls 2. And it, it kind of almost became like the meme of like, everyone hates Dark Souls 2 now and it's the, you know, you're not allowed to like it. And everyone would, would just kind of use that video or whatever as the sort of reason. So there, there's almost, um, yeah, sort of like a, I don't know, like, like germs of ideas come from, from certain corners of the web and uh, become the, the, the opinion to have on games. But it's, it's nice that there's also plenty of videos coming out that are like in defense of games people don't like and, and things like that. So there's all, and, and games, videos are like critical of, Hey, maybe you didn't think about this of the game everyone likes. And, yeah. you know, there's been a, like people saying bad things about, uh, Zelda Breath of the Wild, which is a great conversation to have because <laughs> that's another game that came out when it's just like wall to wall coverage of just this is the best game of all time. And it's, it's good to have, uh, you know, a bit more critical thinking and, um, uh, yeah, seeing games in a slightly different light and stuff. Yeah, and it's interesting to to try to search out Breath of the Wild's a great example because of just the universal acclaim that happens, and you try to find the reviews or the the videos that talk about it critically, but aren't doing that just because they're mm. you don't want the people who are out there who are saying like I just want to basically talk shit on this game because everyone's yeah. saying something positive about it. You got to find the person who's genuine, like here's my actual opinion, and not something based on I want to be the one red review score on this game <laughs> as a critic. Like that's usually what you look for. And it, Bioshock was such a great example of just a franchise that is so revered that um i feel like i haven't spent enough time with like a second opinion on infinite because i liked it in the moment but Mm. i I feel like a lot of the reviews early on it was just we can't give bioshock a bad score like this this name the the legacy of this franchise there's again a reverence for it that maybe the reviews skewed that way and when people Mm came out and actually said like actually maybe this is bad uh <laughs> initially you're like you could never say that but now that opinion is much yeah. more widespread i, I mean like, part of it comes from the culture as well of like um uh defending games that come out and anyone who does a sort of slightly negative review if you give you know as new zelda game anything less than a nine then you're going to get a comment bombed and you're going to get people protesting metacritic to get your score taking off and all this sort of stuff i mean i i i hope that there's no journalist who would ever be too scared to give their real opinion on a game because of yeah. the the culture but it is like this thing of just uh, a worry that you know you you say something out there against a, a game that everyone loves and you are putting yourself out there for just hate and toxicity and stuff which is not a great thing to have in a in a culture where we want to have everyone being able to express their ideas and be able to talk about games in a constructive way. Cause it's not helpful to just be like, this is the best game ever. You can't say anything bad about it. It's just like, we're never going to learn from that or, or make better games in the future or anything. Yeah. I mean, Grand Theft Auto five on GameSpot, the, the Carolyn Pettit review, I've had her on this podcast multiple times, mm-hmm. giving that game 
a nine, which I don't know if people know this, nine is a pretty good <laughs> score when ten is your scale. Uh, yeah. And, you know, pointing out some certain sexist aspects of it. And I think last time I checked that, that review had upwards of 22,000 comments. And if oh, you, well, yeah. if you even start to explore that, you, you need to take a break from the internet for a bit. It's disgusting. Yeah. So, yeah. Like, there's, the, there's that yeah. risk where I don't think the reviewer is, you know, afraid to give a lower score. Like you mentioned, I agree. It's not, it's not really that as much, but there is because there's this universal opinion that, you know, AAA games and especially very specific franchises deserve these kind of, you know, basically like, okay, it starts at an eight. And if it's really incredible, it's a 10. If it's mostly incredible, it's a nine. And the worst it's going to get is a seven. <laughs> you know, it's, you already yeah. have this embedded opinion that if you go against the grain at all and you are giving your real honest opinion, you're not just trying to have a different opinion to be different. Uh, there's this just absolute attack by commenters, which hopefully it yeah. sucks to have, but hopefully it doesn't determine how you talk about games. Yeah. And I mean, there's just this, uh, very, uh, depressing backlash against anyone talking about games in any thing other than just is it fun where if you go into anything about the sort of you know the, the, the gender stereotypes or anything like that or looking at games on any deeper level there's just an immense backlash and it's we're lucky that we have critics who are just willing to <laughs> take the punches to talk about games in a more mature way and and to look at them in a yeah from all sorts of different perspectives. Yeah, I mean, if you were talking earlier about taking inspiration from different movie criticism, if we're gonna if we're gonna call mm. it games art, if we're gonna get in that argument and continue to fight that battle, or whatever you even want to call it, uh, anyone who reads you know movie criticism, who watches video essays or music or books or anything like that, they tackle those things. Mm. So we can't just you know look at is this game fun because games. Not all games are, a lot of games aren't intended to be fun these days. Like, if you're going to yeah. try, if you're going to let developers try new amazing things, you know, whether it's going to be a success or a failure, you've got to talk about those things in a different way than just, man, this gun feels really good. <laughs> and there are still, you know what? Doom, those guns feel really good. And that's mm -hmm. a game that there's a, you can explore a lot beyond just the feel of it. But also, if you just want to talk about the fact that that game is incredibly fun and you could turn your brain off and play it, that's fine too. So, yeah, there's room for a little bit of everything, but you can't push back against people who are trying something different if you want to have people take this shit seriously. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. And we struggle with that now. Um, that when you were mentioning doing a little bit of streaming on YouTube with newer games, uh, I had a, a film class where the, the professor's main goal at the start was basically going to be like, I'm going to make it difficult for you to turn your brain off while you're watching movies i'm also gonna make you that annoying person at the theater who's pointing out you know different uh, uh like lighting techniques different <laughs> camera angles and stuff like that when you play games uh just privately do you ever struggle to turn your brain off do you ever struggle to look at a game as just a fun or interesting story or just play multiplayer and not worry about like i wonder why this design decision was made or i wonder why this is like that it is tough um, because I'm also always thinking like, oh, this could be a good video. This could be a good subject yep. for a video. So it's, it is tough. Um, I, yeah, basically I am just see games in a different light now, um, which is, I think in some ways, in some small ways, yeah, it is detrimental, but it is also just a different way. I mean, there's this good, um, uh, you know, Richard Feynman, the, uh, physicist or whatever he was, uh, some kind of scientist guy. <laughs> uh, we yeah. talk, yeah, we talk about how someone said, you know, you, do you ever like when you look at a rose or whatever, you're thinking about the, 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 the chemistry of it and all of the, the, the atomic makeup. And he's like, it doesn't detract from the actual 
amazing flower itself it just adds to my the, the the beauty and the understanding of it so for me like playing games and and sort of seeing like uh you know it's hard playing um uncharted games now without seeing the towers they put in the the backgrounds like the the weenies as they call them to help uh you navigate through the world you oh, just yeah. play them all the time now you just suddenly see they're like let's go to that giant tower over there it's like, <laughs> okay it's another one but it's also like i'm uh, just constantly blown away by the the mastery and, and the, the the genius of this stuff and like i often like will spend time playing a game and just like running back and forth for ages just like being amazed at the animation of like a character turning around because you know you used to play like games on the snares or whatever and they just flip the character but now they'll have like nathan drake or like turn around a little bit of dust will come up and it's just amazing so everything is just uh seeing it in like hyper uh yeah realized way yeah, I would assume it's a double-edged sword where you maybe appreciate these little details you never appreciated before, but then sometimes mm. you might obsess over that and not just actually, again, turn your brain off and have fun with the game for a bit. I, I've definitely had that as someone who used to review games and yeah. someone who very often plays games with the intent of, oh man, I, I want to play Pyre so I could talk to Greg Kasafin about why this happened or why mm. he chose this. So you, you do look at that differently. And uh, I do have those certain games that I like, Overwatch is one where I'm just like, I'm not I'm going to play this with friends. I'm going to have fun, yell at the TV a lot, but I'm, I'm not going to worry about certain design decisions or, yeah. I don't know, Madden. I do that. And I'm just like, I, I just, I need to, after work, not think for a bit. I think if you carve out a few of those games, it's extremely helpful. Yeah. Um, yeah. For, for me, it's uh, Spelunky where I've just, oh, yeah. I've, I've read everything about it. Basically, the, the Derek Hugh, the creator, made this amazing book that goes into the whole design philosophy behind it and every decision you made and i've made videos about it and stuff it's just like i know it now i don't need to worry about it anymore i can just play it love it yeah, yeah. <laughs> you're already educated on it uh, yeah and i don't want to spend too much time digging into the youtube economics and you know how you make money and stuff like that but you are on patreon now mm -hmm. you're a successful patreon and this is your full-time thing uh it looks like you're posting is it like two videos a month do you have a certain like number that you try to hit I try to hit two. Um, I sometimes do it, but, um, I sometimes do more, but it's just like as much as I can do. So I, I used to be per video on Patreon. So you can choose if you want to get paid every time you do a video. Mm -hmm. Um, but I found it was just easier on everybody to just go per month because then, um, I can do some, maybe one month I'll do a few short videos and then the next month I'll spend a lot of time and a lot of research on one big long video. Yeah. Um, and it also was just nice to, uh, instead of always thinking like every video has to be worth the ridiculous number of dollars people give me now, um, which was, uh, just felt very stressful a lot of the time. <laughs> it's just like, I'll just work for a month and that's, that feels good. That feels nice and do yeah. as much as I possibly can for that yeah, month. I think yeah. it's probably the better way to do it and I, I i feel like you know youtube making money on youtube is a moving target with how much mm -hmm. they switch everything and how much they change how you make money so uh, i i don't know i could be wrong i don't know if you'd be able to do youtube full-time if there wasn't a patreon if you were doing i and again i could be entirely off base if you were doing what you're doing now two videos a month with the number of views you get the subscribers you have mm. would you be able to comfortably live off this or would you have to do freelance on the side uh probably almost certainly not youtube yeah. ads even before all of this mess were they just don't really pay that much you know if you if you're doing a video every day and you're getting a hundred thousand views every day and stuff then absolutely you can you can be a, a live streamer or whatever or a, a let's player but yeah it, it very much favors people doing stuff incredibly regularly 
and quite long, you know, very long videos, the sort of stuff you do from a Let's Play. But yeah, just doing two videos a month, YouTube is just, YouTube itself just doesn't really recognize that as something to give uh, lots of money to or whatever. Yeah. But yeah. So when you were turning to Patreon, did it feel like a risk to you? Because, you know, when you're deciding like, all right, ad revenue is not the way I'm going to go. I'm going to hope that these people who are already watching my videos for free are willing to, you know, pony up money to support me. So when you were doing that, did you, similar to when you were going into this, when you had certain expectations, was there an expectation of like, I need to hit this certain goal to feel comfortable and do this long term? Were you worried that maybe you'd only hit half of that and be like, well, I need to now put as much work as I always do in these videos, but I'm going to have to find other revenue streams. Well, when I started, it was very much just a hobby. Um, so I was doing it uh, alongside a normal job at, uh, as, at Pocket Gamer. So it really was just like, well, people have said that they'd like to support me. I'll throw this out there. We'll see what happens. Um, so it wasn't too worrisome because I'd never had ads on my videos to begin with because I just didn't, I don't really like advertising on stuff. It's kind of gross in some ways. Um, so it was just nice to just have my videos out there. Uh, yeah, just went on Patreon and, and in a, I was very nervous about doing it for a while because it's a very public way to, uh, fail. <laughs> it's very <laughs> yeah. em- embarrassing to like put yourself out there and do this Patreon page and then get like no su- supporters. It's a very, yeah, awkward thing to do. Um, so it took me a while to do it, but I did, and I'm very, very glad I did because uh, the the support has just been absolutely incredible. Yeah, I, I feel like that's one of. I was talking to Justin McElroy a mm-hmm. few months back, talking about, "Hey, would you and your brothers ever want to do a Patreon?" And um, the one thing that he might have brought up was, like you said, it's a very public thing; it's out mm-hmm. there. So if you don't reach maybe certain goals, it's it's hard not to be a little bit embarrassed by that because it's it's very much this like. It sounds crazy. It would be like, what do you value me at? Like, mm-hmm, what yeah. is my price tag? It's kind of what you're saying. But also the way he put it was, you know, I feel like you can only pull that lever once. You have yes. to have a smart idea. You, if you're going to put yourself out there, you can't keep relaunching your Patreon. You can't keep changing the goalposts. The best way to do that is, you know, I know I'm at a certain spot in terms of maybe my following and the people who enjoy what mm-hmm. I do. Here's my idea. I'm going to put this out here once, similar with the Kickstarter. If this mm-hmm. doesn't work, you can't just keep relaunching it. So there has to be kind of a terrifying, like I'm jumping and yeah. maybe there's a net to a certain, you know, if this fails, there's other options in life. But this is either going to be what I do moving forward or a complete failure. And I would have to assume, you know, at, at this point, when it, you started to see the money come in, it had to be not just relieving, but maybe even just like humbling or emotional to a certain degree to say like, oh my God, like I can now, this hobby is now a lucrative career. Absolutely. Yeah. I mean, I went from doing it just at weekends to then having a a part-time job and doing a few days a week on it to now being my full-time thing. It's just, it's, it's incredible. But I also, I work really hard with my Patreon. I take it really seriously. It's not... Like I have like a Facebook page where it's just, I just chuck the link to the latest video on it. But my Patreon is like as, as much a part of the process as making the video. So I have like a discord and I do exclusive stuff for patrons. And it's, it's almost like creating more of a community of people who are, who think about games in the same way than just give me money. So it's, yeah, something I work really hard on. Um, and it's nice to see that it's, you know, been, uh, worth one that it's, it's worked that people have, have responded to it in such an incredible way yeah and this is maybe a way too big question to ask but i'm gonna ask it anyway okay uh, throughout this entire process of making your videos uh, mm-hmm. i asked kind of earlier about what's the biggest difference between 
an idea you had at the start versus the final pro like the final conclusion after doing the research have you had a singular lesson that you've learned that's the biggest thing you've learned about game design I, and again you've done so many videos you've done so many hours of research you've probably watched you know hours and hours and hours of people who have made games talk about how they made games is there maybe a biggest lesson you've learned about games that maybe it doesn't make you play them differently or it doesn't really make you talk about them that much differently but maybe you appreciate games more than before because of a certain lesson you've learned throughout this entire process I think the main thing is the way that the mechanics and the, the designs that you choose will create a feeling in the player that they will, they will change how they experience it in the same way that the art you choose and the music you choose creates this feeling. So you can have like like a, a comparison between two games with a similar thing like if you look at like Bayonetta and Dark Souls which are both games about beating up enemies and it's like a action game it's a combat game but then with Dark Souls the way that they have cho- chosen mechanics around death and 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 failing and compared to Bayonetta where it's just like super easy checkpoints or with Dark Souls with their combat system, everything is very deliberate and you have to commit to every attack, whereas in Bayonetta you can cancel everything. And it's just like two games about very similar sort of actions. If you just like wrote down what the verbs were, they almost sound like the same games. But the, the decisions they've, they've just, they put on those just create completely different games. And so it's just getting people to think about how every tiny decision it's going to impact the way the person experiences it because games aren't just like a list of mechanics, but there are, uh, everything comes together into just one like experience of just this is how it feels to play. And so, um, you know, just one thing in a, in a sequel that they're like, Oh, maybe we could change this and make it more like that. It completely changes the, the, the feeling you get when you play the game. So that's, that's something I'm always thinking about when I'm, when doing this stuff. Yeah, it makes a lot of that old school uh, criticism, those old school reviews feel kind of funny now because like <laughs> it's not a list of features, but a yeah. lot of those reviews were like, all right, give this is a math equation. The, the, yeah. the gameplay is an eight, like the music's a six, but the graphics are a nine and here's the <laughs> final score. And it's it's so funny how far we've come where it's like you can't, it's the entire package. It's how this works with this. It's how that works with that. It's not, yeah. you know, 18 different bits that you have to kind of you know look at individually um this is the last thing what are you working on that you can talk about if you can't spoil anything don't worry about it Uh, you don't have to uh, explain any of that and where can people find you on social media youtube and patreon uh so i'm working on a couple videos at the moment i've got to do the next episode in my bosky series which is about zelda's dungeons i've got to go back to zelda one and two on the nez uh, just, uh, it was something I never wanted to do because I don't think the dungeons are super interesting in those games, mm. but I've got to wrap up the whole package because people keep asking me to. So I've got that on the plate. I've got to do, I want to do something about, uh, it's a very sort of general designy concept thing about encouraging players to do specific play styles and, and behaviors when playing games. That's quite a, a, a big one with lots of examples in it. And I'm just, I'm enjoying Cuphead at the moment. I'd like to do a breakdown of just like one boss in Cuphead and look at each phase and each attack and, and how that works. That might be something I could do something a slightly smaller and easier video. I like loads of other ideas and I'll probably never do any of these, but, uh, <laughs> that's what I'm thinking of at the moment. Uh, people can find me on YouTube, but I don't know, just type Game Makers Toolkit into it. 
um, and on Twitter as at British Gaming, which is uh, the name of the oh the first website I ever wrote for British Gaming Blog, which I made with some friends, and then I stole their Twitter because it had more followers than I did. <laughs> <laughs> and look how far you've come. And you're also one of the only uh, YouTube people who doesn't immediately have like the YouTube.com slash like immediately on their head. You're like, I don't know, just type mm. it in. You'll find it. I'll, I'll be there eventually. Uh, yeah. <laughs> Mark, thanks so much for doing this. Again, this is this is the kind of stuff I want to see more of on YouTube, and it just fascinates me. And the more I talk to developers, the more interested, even if I don't think I'll ever make a game, the more I'm interested in game-making process and why certain things work. What what does it mean when you say this aspect is good? Because so many mm. reviews just say like, oh, this is good. And like, why? Like, why is this good? Why does this work? Why is this aspect better than the way other way this does this? So I think what you do is really fascinating, really interesting. And even if you don't do the uh, ideas you just mentioned before and you start <laughs> going to other things, I- I'm uh, super interested to see what you do next and what sort of other games you look at. Awesome. Thanks so much for having me. And no problem at all. Thanks, everyone, for listening. Hopefully tune back in for the next episode of the 1099.